0: this episode of Common Sense to Mia, we will be talking to one of the most beloved names in the entire cannabis industry. If you have ever enjoyed strains like Sour Diesel, Stardog, OG Kush, or his own namesake, Chemdog, then you owe a debt of gratitude to this man right here. Also a famed glassblower in his own right, my guest took a big risk when transitioning from the legacy growing scene to legal retail. And he is now the head of cultivation at Massachusetts dispensary group Canna Provisions. Greg, ChemDog, Chris Zanowski, welcome to Common Sense Media. I know we just went over saying your name 10 times before uh, starting, but of course I'm going to probably screw it up in the first introduction. Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you. I know you're a uh, no busy pro- dude.
1: No problem, problem, Will. No problem. I love, love this. No problem.
0: We have uh, been working together tangentially. Our companies have been working together for the better part of uh, a year and a half, almost two years now. So it's nice to finally meet you we've never met before no so before we get into this i have to uh ask the most pressing question um is there a letter w in the word dog
1: not in my chem dog uh
0: you probably know you probably know this but this is a huge point of contention for internet weed nerds across the world and i would like you to settle it once and for all
1: it's funny because people like question me and i'm like dude i was a guy that labeled the plant in 1991 and i labeled it c-h-e-m-d-o-g so that's where it's that's you know there you have it weed nerds across
0: the internet no w
1: (laughs) so top dog out of um respect for i'm sorry so, Top That's Dog, cool. but, I put a yeah.
0: sign on the outside of my door that says, kindly fuck off. So, if anybody comes to the door, they'll at least see that.
1: So, I did a um, JJ from Top Dog Seed spells it D A W G out of respect for me. Um, we don't, I think back in, I want to say where I think it went sour or the name DAWG what was was, was Brett from Apothecary out in California decided to just start calling his cut Chem Dog. I don't, and D, inspired. Fell on DAWG and it kind of stuck out there for a while. And I think that's where the miss veered off.
0: You heard it here, folks. Brett fucked it up. So thanks, Brett. <laughs> but I'm glad we got that settled. Um, again, it is it is really nice to finally meet you. You have uh, like a lot of Northeast people of my age. You've been a a, a big part of uh, the weed scene for as long as I've been a part of it. So you know, the early mid '90s. Um, yeah. And you've been building your own personal brand basically since then, since the 90s. Uh, and, and I think the, the first weed I smoked that wasn't brick, right, was I think a cut of Chem D And that was maybe in 94, 95, something like that. I don't know if that timeline checks out or if it was real, but that's my recollection. That's the story I've, I've been saying all these years. So I'm sticking to it. Um, this was like the thickest part in, I mean, in my life, uh, the war on drugs, right? Like, just say no was still hot. Like, Reagan was still around, right? So Nancy was still saying just say no. I had just come out of the D.A.R.E. program, which was a huge, you know, uh, government-funded brainwashing exercise that I think uh, was effective for the most part. So I want to start and talk about passion, because I think that's clearly what's driven you your entire life it's it's uh you know perhaps a love for the plant but mostly like this uh passion to uh succeed so i, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit and 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 your passion for it and you know kind of coming up in the 90s a little bit
1: yeah so i've i've been well i'm 40. i'll be 49 in like a week so i've been in this knee deep for about 33 years been growing for over 30 years um, I just always had a I don't know if it was I actually you to go back to the dare thing. Um, when I was in school, the actual I think it was like seventh or seventh grade, the dare officer actually lit up a joint in our in our in when he was doing it and like wanted us to all smell it in the room to what marijuana smells like. I wonder yeah, if I remember
0: my, my memory, my traumatic cop memory from the dare was the briefcase. I don't know if yes. you had the, yeah, briefcase. the briefcase. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. So they had so for people listening, uh there was a briefcase, and you would open it, and there was a piece of plexiglass on top, and there was compartments inside. It was literally like an attaché case that your dad might take to work in the eighties, um, or, or a Hunter S.
1: Thompson case we take to exactly,
0: our yeah, yeah, to like fish store or something. And in each compartment was drugs, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you remember For this? A pipe, a drug.
1: Yeah, it was. It was like little samples of like coke and hair, like just little samples of everything. There was a
0: hash pipe. I remember hash.
1: All sorts yeah. of stuff, man. You know, that so to the, me
0: had the exact opposite effect that I think that they were going yeah. for. I was like, "Wow, what the hell?" Yeah, that. And I think after
1: you know the whole passion thing, I don't. I've always like. I I never started early smoking. I probably was like sixteen when I started, but when I started smoking, it was really only my thing. I didn't really drink much. Didn't do any other drugs much. Um, definitely some psychedelics, uh, lots of those, um, which are great. We'll, great. We'll,
0: we'll get to Grateful Dead. It's right. further down my questions so, list. Yeah. The, uh,
1: the passion, I think, just started early on. I just always started, I smoked some herb and just really enjoyed it and was like, wow, this is great. You know, maybe I didn't see all the medicinal purposes that it has now back then, but it, it, it did a lot of, it, you know, it, it put me where I am right now um, with meeting a ton of people. It brought a lot of people together. And it just, I have a passion for it. I don't know why I just, it just, I was born with it, I guess, you know, I I really still to this day, have a really passion for the, for them, for the herb, for sure.
0: Well, I'm always curious about about that because it's not uh, a terribly unique entrepreneurial characteristic, right? That, that drive for success is generally in my opinion, fueled by a passion for a thing. So you know Michael Jackson, uh, Michael uh, Jesus Christ, Michael Jordan. I'm wearing Jordans, people. I know what I'm talking about. Michael Jordan. You know, passionate about basketball, like lived and breathed that. Like all these people uh, who I've spoken to on past podcasts, or you know, the the entrepreneurial drive to perfect something is is deep within the dna of very successful entrepreneurs in my opinion and i just i read this in i think it must have been danny danko's um article uh, on you a couple years back by the way we'll link uh, danny danko's uh uh podcast in the description below uh, he was a great person to talk to but i think i think yeah. it was uh, in that article i read that your your mother plant is 30 years old is or it must be a little older yeah. than that now but it's no, my original you know, well my original ninety
1: one strain is thirty-one years old plus I don't have the original mom because after years you have to you know you should re-mom anyway. Yeah, yeah. just for you know purposes and it was just yeah. I, I actually don't keep big moms, I just keep re-cloning, you know, that's my thing. But I have the original clone from 31, you know, the original same cut from 31 years ago.
0: So do you, remember- all my strength, so. you still do that? And that that just kind of proves my point is like you know, you have you have you have to be a scholar of what you're doing, right? You're, you're yeah. your best scholar, <laughs> and you have to back them up
1: with your really close friends.
0: Totally, and I think there is uh, another, and this is, you know, the clout aspect, especially in the cannabis industry, um very heavy. Having the best product, having the having the best, you know, the highest, whatever it is, the, uh, you know best terpene profile or highest THC, whatever you classify the best as. And I'm sure you have many classifications uh, for that. You have a, a high, thre- a, you know, a, a high bar of threshold <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, that stuff just that's exactly what I would thought you would you would have said. Um, yeah.
1: And that's what I do with what, you know, working for Cana Provisions, smash hits. That's I'm trying to provide the best possible flour we can provide in the recreational market you know and that's one thing about having good passion for it is it's i'm the, my hardest critic so i make sure that anything that comes out of our facility or that's going in the stores that has at least a smash hits can provisions label on it is backed up by my you know my um overall check basically yeah and, you know it's a lot all, it's all about you know high flavor terpene just a combination of things a lot of my strains are very tasty it's one thing that I strive for in strains that, you know, tasteful to have a good
0: eye to them. I think a good analogy for you is like, it's as if the, you know, the Rolling Stones cover band was able to hire Keith Richards to, to play guitar for them. That was kind of the get of yeah. you. It's like you, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, you've spent, um, you put so much time and effort into building this personal brand that you have. um. It, you know, I'm sure that there was many dispensaries interested in, in kind of having conversations with you, but it's, you know, you obviously made the right decision uh, yeah, with, uh, yeah. with Meg and the team at Cana Provisions. It's awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Grateful Dead, if we can, uh, not the first or last time that they will come up in as a, you know, topic of conversation in this podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I, cause I was reading about Dead Tour 91 um, and I was 11 at the time, so I missed that tour. Uh, it didn't happen for me, uh, but I'm kind of curious about what why that was so important. It's such a melding, like what people might not know about lots of bands, but the Grateful Dead or Fish in particular is that there's this lot scene. There's this, you know, people are aware of the uh, the nomadic nature of of you know these types of fans. Um, but there's a whole, comu- like a true community, a whole economic, uh, yeah. you, with, with its own economy in the parking lots of these big concerts, um, which I am, you know,
1: definitely, Accidentum. you know, <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I know all about them. It's, it's how I came up too, but I'm curious about that tour.
1: Yeah, back then it was almost like a so the Grateful Deadlot was like social media, most it was like you know, way to interact. But so, 1991, I graduated high school at that point, Northampton High School. I was born and raised in Northampton, Mass. Um, I graduated high school, and me and my friend were like, Let's do this whole summer tour this year. This one, you know, because before I could only go to certain shows because I had to get through my I couldn't miss more than 18 days of school, so I could only do certain fall shows and spring shows. I over 221 dead shows with Jerry, so and I was 16 when I started, so from 16 to you know till he passed away i went pretty hard but that year was very special i would just graduated high school there was no herb around though. It was very very summery droughty 91 so we drove got to um, indianapolis um it was actually noblesville indiana deer creek yeah, I, was right. like, I need to find yeah i need to find some bud so i'm like i'm gonna go out in the lot and just you know go in the lot and that's it was a big party scene at the dead so you could just go and pretty much as everybody bending all sorts of stuff um yeah everything you know so yeah. find as you're like kind bud kind bud, and they looked like normal dudes they had a plate from colorado they had a super. i'm like let's see what these guys got so went over and they're like we got some you know dog bud they called it and i started talking i'm like all right i'll take whatever i can they would only allow me like a half ounce so i could only get two quarters it was 125 a quarter so Whoa. i was like oh yeah and being in 91 exactly.
0: yeah and being a teenager exactly. that's good might have been a million so, dollars
1: so it was probably the best 250 I spent. Luckily, I exchanged phone numbers with these guys back then on my index card because there wasn't cells. We might have had a cell phone, but not like it wasn't like, you know, Motorola flip phone. I don't know if we did back then, but anyway, exchanged phone Got numbers. And had a Rolodex. And I doled, I doled out that half ounce for that whole tour, like two bowls, a bowl of show I smoked. Like, you know, so I'd have enough for the whole tour. Yep. Some of the best pot, best tasting pot I've ever smoked at that point in my life. So green and crispy and skunky and just... Awesome. So tour ends. I'm like, fuck, that was what, 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 what now, where do I go now? Nothing's going to compare to any of this. So I reached out on the phone number thinking that maybe they didn't give me the right phone number. Cause back then you go to prison, jail for shit. And sure enough, people, uh, Joe B answered the phone and he's like, Hey, you know, we talked and ended up making some sort of transaction and get me some pop back on the East coast. And I had an ounce of chem dog sent back to the East coast. It was 500 bucks still. And that's probably why they were making tons of money off it. But that ounce had originally 13 seeds in it and that that was august of 91 and by december of 91 by the end of december of 91 i'd harvested my first chem 91 plant so probably what you're smoking in chem in 93 94 was probably the original chem dog 91 i started the chem dog d in 2000 kind of like my millennial scene
0: yeah
1: and a bunch of strains that spawned off from those you know the chem what? dog sister the chem four um, the jesel the snow dog classics Power, talking... coach, you know We're... so and, and the chem 4 I ended up linking back up with the guys that sold me the butt in on the forums on, um, I think it was Overgrow on, on the online forums linked back up with birth them of the guys.
0: internet the birth of the mainstream internet
1: exactly in 2006 Shot I room. sent him back four of my original seeds <laughs> out of my original 13 seeds and that's when he started the chem 4 he's out of my original seeds so I had him start that one so
0: that's amazing that's all came That's that story. That's the beauty of uh, that lot scene. And and just to take it a step further, the Roseland. You know, the fish. The fish shows also had a similar, uh, you know, profound effect on you professionally. Right? Um, Is that the birth of Sour Diesel?
1: Um, So there was some. There, there. It could have. That was kind of the. I believe from the crew down in New York. That was at the Roseland. Was the birth of Sour Diesel? But it was also when I met the guys from New York who I got the super skunk from which i traded them a cut of my chem 91 and that's where the mass super skunk came from which is pretty got pretty famous out there for a while too yeah big so. time yeah the absolutely. Sour, there's still a lot of contract there's still a lot of conflicts of who start you know who actually started that particular seed so they'll monks themselves they will argue so i don't even want to get into that with that you know we that's a whole different
0: i'm going to get into it it was you. You did. It. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> so, um that's super interesting. I actually heard that story like I you know, I read it in, in maybe Danny's article or something, yeah. but uh I can remember actually hearing that story on Fish Tour, you know, years later, um because that, you know, I'm am a little bit younger than you are, not by much, but a little bit younger so I, I missed, you know, the Grateful Dead, but you know, I I went to all the fish shows and you know, that was one of fish great.
1: shows.
0: Yeah, exactly. I used, to, if, I used to
1: sell Paige's weed.
0: There you go. I used to so, go to uh, Ramon all the time and drop
1: it right off to him. If he's in your phone, I'll be
0: waiting for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. yeah um, was really, pretty well, good I remember friend. hearing that story. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty good friends. In fact, after, after Coventry, I went and hung out with Paige at his house right after that show. And we just reminisced on the whole. Just the last 10 years yeah pretty much it was a weird night it was fun you know,
0: yeah it was yeah just, uh, so sad that, yeah i, I think uh, there's nothing worse than seeing trey cry on stage that that's yeah. the worst but but regardless uh it's awesome that that impact of just you know meeting meeting people you know really this boils down to networking you know exactly. if, if, right. if we're gonna if we're gonna hold to the theme of the you know the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial theme of this you know this discussion and these podcasts it's It's networking, you know, whether you're doing it at a fish lot, dead lot, or in a boardroom or like at a, you know, you know, a mixer or whatever, like you have to get out there um, because that's how you're going to get out of your own bubble, your own head. You're going to meet new people who have a different perspective and maybe are, uh, have, you know, different experiences that can for sure impact yours.
1: And that's another thing back in the early 90s and stuff. That's when I knew I had something special. When you're going to all these different shows, whether it's Fish or the Grateful Dead, and you're going into all these different circles, and you're like, wow, man, you've got some of the best herb around, you know. So, you know, when you're hearing it from hundreds of different people, that you know, you got something special. So, I knew early on and and, and by 95 that I had like this is, you know, obviously I preserved it all. This, you know, between me and I had a you know, Scum VA help preserve it, he was another friend of ours that helped preserve it. When I didn't have it, he, it, like, we always had it. It was always held in our group.
0: Yeah. Well, so. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. And that's the the power of, of networking and, and focusing on building your own brand. Um, Especially being able to
1: bring it back to Canada provisions and, and start up smash hits with these guys with all these great strains, you know, just to, just to get them out to the people, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, you know, a legitimate platform that you now have to do your thing and but i'm I'm curious going back to that dead show like and just speaking on the on the passion side of things like had you been growing at all before then like before you got these seeds had you ever even grown before or
1: so that was 91 when i got those seeds right before that i had actually grew up like some bag seed in my brother's closet i was yes. even <laughs>
0: I just I'm like, you know, I'm gonna grow a plant in your closet
1: because he had his own apartment, you know. So I just hijacked it and just did, you know. He was older than me too. I just did it, and
0: it just, you know, that it hilarious. And that was like
1: the first time I really grew, up. and then the second time I really grew up was I like, got was the Chem ninety one, which I really struck gold, you know. You just
0: hit it right out of the park, right? Yeah. Almost yeah, out right of out the game. park.
1: You're really, you're really, you know, that's, you're really.
0: That's so funny that you grew in your brother's. uh, apartment or whatever because i did the exact thing except my brother was younger so he was probably seven at the time or maybe 10 uh and it was in my our parents house like in his closet and my parents like why is there an electric cord going (laughs) in the closet like what is (laughs) funny that didn't it didn't go go so good for me (laughs) um (laughs) you know, the, the theme of this podcast is understanding that journey that the entrepreneurs and professionals go on when, when building their business, their, their empire. Um, What we now call the legacy market is unsurprisingly where most of the people in this industry started. Um, And this can create, you know, I imagine uh, many emotions when, you know, you're, you're going through the thought process of like, You know, should I, am I outing myself? That's, that's pretty scary. Or my experience is completely underground. Who would hire me? Like, how do I put that on a resume? Also very scary. I'm curious if you can walk me through that part of your life where you're, you know, maybe finally faced with the decision or realization that it's time to do this differently or it's time to really take this to the masses. Cause I think the timing of it all was probably pretty good.
1: I mean, I got in trouble in 2011, um, pretty much took every, all my money, my car, you know, pretty much stripped everything from me. didn't have to do it no time, but they took a lot of stuff. Um, about 350 yep. grand, to be honest. And, At that point, I didn't, I was just like, I'm going to start going back. I also go blow glass. So I was like, I'm going to go back to blowing glass for a little while. And I just did that for, you know, for income purposes. At that point, I realized I probably want to do something with cannabis, but I just don't know what and how and when. So it was like the time that I took off to where I am now meeting Eric and Meg, it was like the perfect gap to figure out what I wanted to do you know I always wanted to be in the market in the end mm-hmm. but I didn't want to move out to Colorado and California I've gotten some offers to do that I just I don't I want to stay here with my family and this is this is where I want to be in Massachusetts so and just the opportunity came with Mer, uh, Eric and Meg that was perfect time and on my end and me wanting to get into the market you know the regular market and it was it still is I still look over my back my back even though I'm completely legal growing you know it just, it just it's in you so I feel that um the timing was right with me getting in trouble. It, it was like another eight, nine years after that, that I figured out what I wanted to do. But I think the gap, I, I think where I am now is is good it was, it would have been a better timing than if I didn't get in trouble. I probably would have gotten into some other crazy crappy deal and it might not have panned out the way it should have panned out. So I think timing is everything in the world about everything.
0: For sure. And, and in your case, and I'm sure this is relatable across the industry. It's like, you know not and not to be cliche but everyone's lemonade is is different right and you got to you got to learn how to make it when when you get thrown some lemons so that's true you know i wanted to talk a little bit about kind of your run-ins with the law because <laughs> this seems like maybe an obvious statement but to me that is what we would call in business a failure <laughs> Like we have our successes and we have our failures and it's important to learn from, from both of those things. Um, yours is obviously like the ultimate form of that, you know, where you're, you know, going to jail and getting arrested or, or whatever. And, you know, your, yeah. your entire livelihood is taken away from you. Why didn't you give up?
1: Um, I had already been, let's see, this is 2011. So it had been a good, solid twenty years at that point. Yeah, that you just don't. I mean, after twenty years of doing something, my passion. That's why I didn't give up.
0: That's exactly right. Passion. Exactly right. passion, you know, what are you going to do? Like learn how to do a whole like a, a you know find. And a I could have. I could've, I
1: could have done a lot of things. Um. It just, yeah, no. It was my passion that kept me where I am. For sure.
0: I imagine, and if I'm. Projecting incorrectly, excuse me, but I imagine for sure there was at least a brief window of time where you might have had to convince yourself um, to keep going or did you experience that? Yeah, I did actually
1: right after I got busted, I was a little fucking shook. So <laughs>
0: sure, I bet I will say, I will <laughs> That's say the perfect time I, for that. <laughs> I, I will say,
1: yeah, that they, they definitely, you know, roughly uh and feather, especially, you know, when you got the feds, the IRS, the locals, the states, just fucking a million different cops up in your mix. Yeah. And you know, I'm, at that point I was 40 I 39 or 39 years old or 40. And I never have been in trouble in my life. So just fucking bam, boom, kaboom, you know, big the whole thing. once. Yeah. So after that, I was a little freaked out. In fact, I probably, you know, I had my son full time. So I had to be a dad and I just was like, and I didn't want to, I wasn't going to go to jail. So at that point I kind of, I was like, fuck, I got to fucking turn shit around here. And I, I quit smoking. I had to, because I had to piss in a cup every week for the feds, you know, for my probation. Um, So it did, it did, it did ruffle my feathers a little bit to where I was like, Where I was like, "Shit, this isn't maybe what I want to keep pursuing," but then I'm like, "You know what? I've been in this too long. I'm who I am. There ain't no turning around now. It's just, you know, the herb brought me back in. You know." Yep,
0: I hear. She got me back
1: in, and it's always been—it's always been kind of a love-hate relationship, but now it's more of a love relationship because there's been times where it's, you know, it's really fucked you
0: sometimes. Sure.
1: Good old urban. That's the thing about passion. A lot of things, whether it's, you know, but then it keeps you. Passion keeps you in line of things. So.
0: Yeah, and that's hard. It's hard on relationships sometimes, but when you're, you know, it's your main focus, a lot of those other things unintentionally fall to the wayside. And it's not because they're not important, right? It's because your brain can't stop thinking about this one thing. (laughs) You know? And I I can totally I can totally relate to that. And I'm sure people listening can relate to that too. I mean what, what we, I, I try to, you know, try to accomplish in just having these kinds of conver- conversations is, is the whole just demystification. And especially in the cannabis industry, like your story sucks. That beginnings you know, it, that part's totally sucks. It's not uncommon in this industry. Like it, it happens. And the reason people stay in it is because thankfully uh, the draconian drug laws, some of them have, have changed and allowed us to uh, stay in this profession, um, but most importantly, it's actually become a profession and not, you know, an underground legacy black market, whatever you want to label it. Um, yeah, it stronger, like, yeah, it makes you so stronger. Yeah, makes awesome. you stronger. So it sounds like kind of that realization came to a head around the time legalization was happening, around the time you met Megan Eric. I got the,
1: I didn't meet Megan Eric until 2020, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And that started on a whole different relationship of them buying glass from me to carrying their stores. And it just escalated to Eric coming to my house one day, smoking a joint with him in my kitchen with, you know, up chem dog. And he was just blown away. We started kicking the ideas around of maybe me coming to work for him part time and this and that. And it just rotated to what it did, you know?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And here you are sitting, yeah. uh, sitting outside of the grow room, the yes. bright grow room. I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about innovation, which, uh, you know, for you, I, I you know, boils down to genetics, picking healthy genetics. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. Like what, how do you know, you know, what are you looking for? What, if there are any growers listening to this and growers aren't a huge part of our audience here, but if there are people, uh, in cultivation listening what can what can they take away from you and figuring out like what makes a good cut what makes a good you know genetics are better? yeah genetics are
1: important um i i go for the taste and the, and the and the smell factor it's believe it or not if that goes along with if that's usually good you usually get good numbers out of it believe it or not it sounds yeah. crazy but, um a lot of times you can, I can smell a bud and be like, this is going to be fire. And then you can smell a bud and be like, this is crap. Any bud that smells like musty or moldy or like has that little tang to it. It's going to taste like that. It's going to be a train wreck right from the start. In fact, I'm, I'm judging this competition called Neat Can right now. That's going on. and There's there was like 60 there next week. Yeah. There's like 63 samples um, to judge. And I'll tell you, some of this stuff is great and it's, and I keep almost all the stuff that I smelled that was great turned out to be really good. And the shit that had a bad smell, it's just crap. And it just didn't even get you high. So you can really tell a lot from taste and smell, at least if you have a good nose. But I look for flavor. I look for, you know, you obviously don't test it until you get it obviously grown a few times so or, you know, sell it in the store. So testing is always a big factor as far as like keeping it in the stable. But, you know, I know all my strains but when I'm starting a new strain, I look for, you know, as far as like bigger, how, how it grows, how, how it, if it's a bush, if it's tall, if it stretches, if it stays, if the internodes nodes, a short inner node lengths, you know, if the stock has a smell on it in the beginning, you can tell a lot of things, leaf structure. Um, and then you got to grow out seeds at least a couple of times, even a brand new clone, you got to grow out a few times just to even give it a few fair chance, you know, especially seeds. I feel like you need to grow seeds for a year. I mean, like at least three cycles. Yeah. True. You know, a true thing true example of what you want you know yeah so, uh, i feel like starting with good strains in the beginning you will succeed you know Absolutely. you start with these crappy strains you're gonna go all over the board you want to stop find stuff that stands out too mm-hmm. everybody's yeah. got a lot of the same stuff out there a lot of the yeah. purple there's runs galore out there you know it's time to retire runs <laughs> <laughs> or change it up
0: you heard it here folks runs you're yeah. out it's tasty as hell don't get me
1: wrong Sure. You know? sure.
0: There's better alternatives. And I I think you're right. You know, it boils down to what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? I mean, I'm from
1: Massachusetts. So I'm a gas guy. So I like all gas, all gas, you know, all gas, no place for me.
0: Yeah. I'm the same way. Um, Can you talk a little bit, my, the office stoners of which I count myself uh, here uh, we're especially hyped on your live resin project. Can you oh. talk a little bit about that? Well, the, the, yeah, the
1: TreeWorks, Canipra Provision Smash Hitch collab that we just did with TreeWorks is some of the best live rosin out there. I was I will say it right now. I've smoked a lot of 710 labs. i smoked a lot of uh, laser cap from Colorado. This stuff holds a fire with any of those. Um, it is it's our first one we dropped was Wonka bars. It's great. And they just did the carts are in stores now. The live rosin carts, fucking killer. Phenomenal. And I'm not just saying that. I'm, I'm like, you know, I know good product. It's killer product. Of course. So go, go to Cannon Provisions and get those. We also have in the pipeline coming down is Chem 91,
0: Tangeland.
1: Yeah, Tangeland, Stardog, and Chem 91, all live rosin coming from Treeworks oh, in the wow. stores too. And we're going to make cards with all those too, which yeah, I, I think I'm they're make, being.
0: I'm making so. the trip to Holyoke. Yeah, it's okay, great stuff.
1: Yeah. Let me know when you're there. I'll you awesome.
0: awesome. for sure. Well, I'll, I'll be at can. so we'll see you next weekend for sure. I'll try to I'll try to run into you there. Um, and I've judged one of those, not the can one, but I've judged one of those things too. And I know that feeling of like you're you're maybe overwhelmed when you open up your your judges kit and you're like, oh yay, free weed! Oh so much! Yeah, I take most, it so
1: seriously too. I yeah, it most seriously. same. I take and no then you're like,
0: happens. yep, you're like, mm-hmm. oh this is not good. You can just tell just by looking through the jar. Like I am not going to enjoy this. For <laughs> sure. I want to talk a little bit because you mentioned uh, earlier and we, we talked about it in your introduction that you are also a prolific glass, uh, glass blower. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the intertwining of, you know, there's a clear line between the, uh, the glass blowing world and, and the, the cannabis industry, like, you know, uh, and the flower world, like pretty it's a pretty tight relationship there. I wonder yeah. about the artistic expression side of things. Like how do you how do you remain creative in, in what you do? How does, do those two things kind of coexist together? Is there a correlation beyond the um, obvious? No, I mean, not really.
1: The One thing about the creativity-ness lately is that having to work with Canaver Visions lately, I haven't been able to go into the shop much. So when I do get in the shop, it's very, it's nice. It's very like, almost like the break was a nice little, it re- re- enlightens it, re- you know, re um it gets you right back to where you were like six years ago. You know, you almost yeah. feel new doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that and just smoking the herb helps me create nice pieces. I was back, I started blowing glass in 93 and it was pretty cool going to like the Grateful Dead lots in like 94, 95, being able to sell my glass and my bud. So you could really smoke <laughs> my bud out of a pipe I blew, you know, and back then it was just me. It wasn't, it wasn't chem dog, you know, it was just Greg. Sure. So and that was, was mind-blowing i'm sure for, but for me for me it was really cool being able to smoke my own weed through my own pipe that i made you know at a show which is cool.
0: absolutely
1: it was a cool thing
0: oh for sure that that i can totally respect that you know it, you made the whole thing
1: <laughs> yeah it was cool that's yeah uh,
0: which by the way i would have people
1: when when people knew in like the like as of like 94 95 when my friends you know there wasn't a lot of cell coverage but when they knew i was going to the lot People would just run up to me and be like, "You got any of that cam for sale?" And I'd have to literally limit people to like a bag each person, so I could spread it out to all my friends. You know, so back then in the '90s, I was marketing that shit, but no one really knew it. But not even me. <laughs>
0: oh, they knew it. I think you knew what you were doing too. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion you knew exactly what you're doing, which is creating market demand, right? So bringing this back to business is you were, you were, you were building the hype train before hype trains even existed uh and and building that lot bread you know um i mean i can't remember any specifically i'm sure you can but there were you know when i would go on an extended fish tour or something like that like there was definitely like the burrito spot that you would hit like that you know get your heady crystal over the from that you know those people that you would see all over the place so yeah man you, you made your mark but also with something like truly meaningful to the scene right like, you know like really meaningful um you're a huge obviously i uh i imagine you're a huge proponent of organic methods
1: uh, yeah um, yeah
0: yeah how is massachusetts fucking that up for you
1: it's we can't really our hands are tied on that you know what i mean we really can't you yeah. can't say using organics it's just not you know i mean you could say it but it's not nothing's like oh i'm you know certified and shit like that yes. um and it's kind of tight, you know, I'll be honest, my hands are a little tight, you know, I, I could probably do a table or two here, but we have to kind of keep up production and keep things rolling the way we need to keep rolling. So we got to keep our numbers up and our, our quantity up, you know, so I think I could probably do, I just need some time to experiment or there's really no time right now for that. As of right now, we're just expanding here and expanding there. So we're kind of just keeping things afloat and getting, You know, getting things going back, going solid again.
0: Well, but I would really
1: love to. I would really love to visit on being able to do like one of my rooms here, even like three rows, three full rows, a couple batches of straight organic flour. You know, once we hit our our plateau of leveling out. You know.
0: Yeah, I imagine like there's there's certain frustrations of like coming into an industry that is reasonably. Overregulated, right like yeah. it, it kind of makes sense unfortunately but it makes sense that it's overregulated. it's this scary thing we're finally letting the monster out of the closet but we got to put it yeah. in chains and make sure you look at it through a peephole or whatever you know we're gonna we're gonna regulate the crap out of this thing so i you know i, I want to talk uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about just and i don't mean this negative or positive or whatever but there's right. certain frustrations i imagine in like knowing your craft and maybe being put in a box a little bit
1: as far as like using like you know fertilizers and all other you know as as that kind of stuff goes that's okay that that doesn't bother me and the organic stuff isn't that bad it's it's the 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 overregulated part of like Right now, we have so much stuff up being tied up in testing with metric and stuff. And that's where I get frustrated is that kind of department. Besides that, there's really not much from going from the legacy market to this market as far as like that really got to me as far as like being able to do certain things. I can use whatever we use, you know, that I could at home, that I can here. It's just more or less like the logistics of the testing and the kind of over, over, you know, that kind of stuff is what gets me razzled but it's as far office. as like growing yeah you know like you know the waste stuff like growing uh, as far as like weighing up a little waste here and there of a the leaf that falls off you're supposed to weigh it i mean that stuff's ridiculous i think but i've overcome well, that first year i was like this is dumb but it doesn't all that stuff is or doesn't even bother me anymore what bothers me is the stuff being held up in the metric and the testing and the ccc and all that stuff and when people want to come and get permits and stuff it's like they help It's like they almost hold you hostage for months before they even give you a a time to give you an appointment to give you your license, or you know, it's just it's crazy that kind of stuff. But as far as your growing stuff, I don't have that many issues.
0: Yeah, Uh, there's, and what I'm hearing is just passion winning out. Like you know, it doesn't matter whether you got arrested. It doesn't matter whether, uh, you know, you were selling. Ziploc bags and fish tour or dead tour or dealing with legal risk, you know, regulations. It's what's the most important is this thing that you, you know, have spent, so, you know, you put in your 10,000 hours and then some, um, to kind of, you know, uh, paraphrase Malcolm Gladwell, but you've put in the time you've, you've yeah. kind of figured that out. And the most important thing is that passion and that drive to get there. It's like, these variables are just going to come at me, you know, and I have to figure out how to, how to jump over them or, or go around them or whatever. And that, yeah. that's what I'm hearing. That's, you know, the most important part of being an entrepreneur um, is that drive and not giving a fuck when someone says you can't do it because you're going to do it anyway.
1: That's the only thing you can do is Bob and weave, you know, bob yeah. and weave.
0: hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me find solutions next,
1: for problems
0: that's that's my job all day long is finding solutions for problems and sometimes i make a few problems too which yeah, i then have all. to find solutions for yeah, yeah. Uh, i think this is a, a good place to kind of circle it back around and i'm curious what what's next like what's next for the can of provisions brand what's next for smash hits what's next for your personal brand well, you're gonna so the smash hits, can't provision
1: stuff. We're just gonna keep pumping out. We're gonna be. I think we're gonna. We're introducing some new strains coming up in the next few months. I don't really want to talk about them yet because I haven't narrowed them down. But we're gonna be bringing in some new strains. We're gonna also be bringing in a nice sativa, as a you know a nice nice nose to it. Um, we just gonna keep doing our rosin things. I eventually think we're gonna go into uh, getting some edibles down the line, doing our own line of that stuff. Just a matter of time with that. And we are just going to keep pumping out the most beautiful product we can for yeah. New England, you know, and that's, that's, and I just, I'm always going to keep bringing in new, trying to bring new things in, keep everybody on their toes, you know, and just keep doing the best we can for can of provisions, you know, and eventually I am going to have my own brand on in the market, you know, my own own brand, which I think I should, everybody else has a brand
0: out there, but um, you know, we're all eagerly awaiting that. Out. We yep. can't wait for that to happen for sure. Yep. Um, exciting things, innovation, 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 passion, passion, passion. Kem, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I know, uh, that there's been that voice that's been behind you the whole time. All those ladies behind you have been saying, Greg, come back, come back <laughs> to us. So I'll let you get back to the grow room. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, tell the people who are listening, watching where they can find out more about you. Smash hits can of provisions. Yeah, you can find our my
1: products, our product Smash Hits, the brand, at Cannon Provisions in Hoyoke It's in Hoyoke, Massachusetts, and you can also find them in Cannon Provisions in Lee, and that's right off the Mass Turnpike in Lee, Massachusetts. Um, we're going to be introducing all you know new stuff soon, and we're, we always got new flavors coming out the pipeline. So, you know, again, thank you for having me, Will. I appreciate it. And please go out and get yourself some smash hits and also go on our website and that's canervervisions.com. And you can find on our blog, a bunch of stuff about me and about other stuff that we're doing. You know, we do a lot of community stuff and a lot of good things for the community.
0: Too. Let me add what a beautiful website it is, by the way. That's good. They a just- beautiful <laughs> website. <laughs> My team had a lot of fun building that for you guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, nice. ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning into this episode of common sense. Amiga. We will see you next time. Peace out. Bye-bye.